going on, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Roarcast. That's our name officially. We're not going back. We've made graphics and everything. Well, you can't go back now. (laughs) So thanks thanks for everybody for listening to episode one with Peter Pilling. So we got some great updates from him on the department and, you know, the the events leading up to uh, this kind of quarantine time, social distancing, whatever you want to call it. Um, so once again, I'm Mike Walski, joined by a matrician, Megan Rojas. Guys, what have you guys been up to? I actually went back and watched that video that Peter talked about at the end of the podcast, the viral video that, oh, uh, yeah. that uh, Heather, the, the uh, administrative assistant from Peter's office, so nicely sent us so that we could watch it. <laughs> and I think by the time this goes out, we will have uh, plugged that as well on our Twitter account for people to, people to rewatch the viral video of uh, Peter's wife and daughter on Good Morning America. So that was pretty awesome. Classic. Just classic. It's so good. (laughs) We only want people who go viral on this podcast from now. Yeah. Well, that's also, this is why this is episode three, because we had to have an emergency pod late last week with Mary Pruden after she went viral for uh, her swimming video that Hannah Storm got a hold of. So we had to talk about it. We had to do it. Straight while the iron's hot. That's what we're all about here. Giving the people what they want, Mike. Giving the people what they want. Always. We're here for 24-7. So um, so we are, again, in week three slash four of, of work from home mode. And, you know, before we get going here, we have a big show with Katie Wasserman and Albert Guo. We'll, we'll hear from them shortly. But uh, what have you guys been up with, Kyle? How are you staying in bowling shape? Like without oh, your league, like wow. that's, that's what everybody wow. was dying to. Is that what you had teed up for me? Yeah, oh, yeah. That was the oh my god! I drove you know. by a bowling alley the other day, running an errand, and I was like, I wonder, like, does Kyle play like weed? Does he have like a simulator or something <laughs> in his house? Like, <laughs> you know, I could really. There's so many things that you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, <laughs> what if you wife, said something totally different than what you thought? No. <laughs> My wife out in the living room can attest to this. I have turned on the Wii and done some Wii bowling. <laughs> Does that translate? Like, <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. My high score in Wii bowling is the same as in real life. It's 289. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess it does. Same thing. Maybe it does translate. I've also done some Wii golf. And then I've seen a lot of people post on Facebook, at least, like some old college friends it's like that have picked up the Wii you know, after 15 years and been like, this is what it's come to, you know, <laughs> stay in shape. Once somebody, somebody I saw post on Facebook, he's actually one of my cousins that lives out in Washington state. He posted on Facebook cause I guess he has like a Wii Fit plus And it was like, he signed in for the first time in a long time. And it was like, hi BJ, thanks for signing in. This is your first sign in in 2,617 days. Something like that. <laughs> How about your first few steps? Have you been doing anything to get faster? I know we do have a, we, <laughs> I know what you I know where you're going with this. We have a track runner on, so you might as well like Yeah. All right. All right. I know I know what you're teeing me up for, Rose. So I'm just gonna just gonna put it out there. My wife and I go on some nice walks around three, three thirty in the afternoon, just you know, get outside. And for any office listeners on this podcast, anybody that likes the office, uh, there is a like watch your speed speedometer on one of the roads by our house. And I ran by it thinking like in the office when they try and time themselves that it wasn't actually going to work. And the first time I ran by it, it actually like 
came on and it was like six, seven. And I was like, <laughs> then I started trying to sprint because I was like, oh my God, it actually is noticing. And I got all the way up to nine by the time I passed it and I raised my fists in celebration. And the best part was the first time I ran past it, some guy must have been about a few hundred feet behind me and he caught up and he and his daughter start beeping the horn of their car and raising their fists in celebration <laughs> for me as they as they drive by me. Yes, embarrassed my wife greatly, but it was well worth it. <laughs> like, who is this man running outside? Well, now every time we go for a walk, I get pumped up for that section and I sprint by the speedometer sign. Are you getting faster? Like, is I got, I've gotten to 10. I've gotten to 10. My <laughs> nice. Do you have a goal in mind? Like, do you want to like... 15, 15 one day. 15 one day? Yeah, if I can get to 15 one day. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but if I can get there one day. I don't think they're going to keep the... Right. I don't think they're going to keep the watcher speed in there that long. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I've actually seen, I've seen, Kyle, I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> the last hotel that we stayed in, I was walking back to my room because I went to the front desk to get toothpaste. You're about and to it talk was about a, me running? It was a dark, oh, God, you're telling it was, oh, it no, was you're a not. dark hallway oh, geez. and very long in Boston we were playing at Harvard. And I see someone turn the corner like in a, like a decent pace, like a good jog going up and down, just a silhouette. Well, you got to say what getting, time it was. Getting, you gotta it was say what time. I was getting, like, I was like going to bed. It was really late. <laughs> and I just see like this figure coming close like bopping up and down coming close to me it was kyle just right so he, he's been training for this moment he runs yeah, he the hotel lobby yeah, well i turned the corner and it's like an extremely long hallway and it was like 11 30 at night and i went to go get some toothpaste because i never bring toothpaste with me i always just go to the front desk and grab toothpaste that night and i told my roommate was it Greg? I think it was Greg. No, who was I rooming with? Matt Herhall. Matt Herhall, that's right. I told Matt Herhall, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm like, maybe I'll get like a light jogging on my way since that hallway is so long. Like, literally that hallway, <laughs> that hallway at that, I think it's the Marriott Newton in Newton, Massachusetts. Is yes. like, it's yes. like a 400 foot hallway. It's ridiculous. And <laughs> we were all the way down at the end of it. And I turn this little corner and I start, I take about three steps in a jog and I see somebody up there and I'm like, oh crap. So then I just like casually turned my jog into a walk and I was like, there's no way, tried that to play it off. no way that person saw me. And then from all the way down the hallway, I hear Kyle, <laughs> were you running? Oh, it was amazing. It's an accurate description too. Cause Kyle does have this, like it's, a, I would describe it as a Bob as when he walks and runs, he's got a little bounce, a little bounce, a little yeah. pep in his step. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. That's enough of us ranting on and on. We'll get to the stuff you guys actually want to listen to. Uh, up next, we've got Katie Wasserman from Cross Country Track and Field. So stick around. Back up. At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. So we're back with Katie Wasserman from Columbia's track and field and cross country team, senior who qualified for the NCAA championships that was unfortunately canceled due to the coronavirus. So Katie... 
thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I guess let's start one more time. Uh, I'm sure you've to told the story a few times already. <laughs> she told it to us today. <laughs> yeah. This is our second take. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, had a, we had a problem the first take. This is take yeah, two. Some technical difficulties. Um, <laughs> but anyway, walk us through uh, your experience going out to New Mexico for NCAA indoors and what it was like for you to hear that the, the championships were canceled. Yeah, um, it was a crazy couple weeks for sure. Um, like I said, it started out with just trying to find out if I was going to make it to nationals. So that was a couple weeks of waiting to figure out if I was even going to, my time was even going to be good enough to get in. And then we found out I was the 16th seed. I was the last one. I made it in. So that was really cool. And then I, I had about two weeks between um, finding out and actually leaving for nationals. So it was a lot of things happened at that time with the virus. Um, the first thing was that Harvard shut down and they were sending their kids home. And that was obviously a big deal because they had athletes at the meet too. And um, our coach, my coach wasn't really sure if we were going to even be able to go. So we had to like wait and see if they were going to let us leave. And uh, there was a bunch of meetings and everyone was trying to figure it out. And then finally, like two days before the meet, actually, before two days before we were supposed to leave, Ireland texted me. I was like, we're good to go. We're going to leave. It's all fine. They cleared us. So that was a relief. And um, then on the way there, actually in the middle of the flight, uh, my coach got the news that our spring season would be canceled. So that was just another thing that was crazy that was happening at the time. And it just made it all seem so much more real. But we tried to put that out of our heads or my head as best as I could and just focus on the race now, knowing that this was going to be my last race and that I just need to give it everything because this was going to sum up all of my years here. And then we got to the, we landed in New Mexico and then the next day I was there for my like pre-meet which is the day before a race and um I did like a four just an easy like four mile run and um nice I came and back easy. To nice and easy four miles <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then I um came back to the track and I saw uh coach Ireland's face and I could just tell right away I was like what's wrong um he just looked so upset and he was like, I guess you should hear it from me, but I really don't think this thing is going to happen. And I was like, oh, how, how is it not happening? Like, everyone's here already. And he was like, no, like, schools are pulling their athletes. Uh, they got They have to leave, like, today. Like, I don't think they're going to let us have this meet. So he said that word isn't official yet. So just get out there on the track, do a couple strides, which is what we typically do on a warm-up. And then he said, go take, take some pictures because you might not be here tomorrow to take some. So... <sighs> And I took a couple pictures under the New Mexico sign and then we walked out uh, into the like parking garage and got back to the car and then he got a notification on his phone that it was officially canceled so we kind of just sat there in silence for a little bit just because we had to process it and it was just a lot to uh, handle just because we had thought we had finally overcame every obstacle getting to nationals getting on the flight like not having spring, but this still being allowed to go. And then it just finally ended. So it was, it was a hard day for sure. <laughs> and then well, you had to fly home knowing that that was that. Like that yeah, was yeah. It was, oh. it, was, it was a sad flight home because I, I flew home. I ended up flying home the next day. And okay. I just remember thinking in the middle of the flight, like, this is so weird. I should be running a mile right now. And instead I'm on a flight home. So it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Total shock, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very emotional because it's like yeah. running just this sort of thing that's like, it's been building for like 
since high school even like you can't just get to running like like your best times within like one season it's like year after year after year and it was like obviously like I hadn't even come close to making the national meet like last year even so like you just need to build on like every single year and it takes so much time and then it's like you did it and then it was just like this has never happened before like how is this happening so (laughs) so you had never made it right this was the first time that you made it yeah no I never made it our cross-country team made it as like a team but this was the first time I'd ever made it as an individual and on the track so that was cool and you squeaked in as a 16 seed yeah yeah I was really (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For people that don't know, why don't you walk us through like how that whole process works? And like, first of all, what is your best time in the mile? Uh, a 437 mile. <laughs> 437. Row. It's amazing. Yes. It's amazing. Row does it in her sleep, right? No, I'd like dream about running, <laughs> get a glass of water and then coming back. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you walk us through how that whole process works? Like uh, how the, for people that are listening to this podcast that don't know about qualifying times and how your times, you know, uh, get determined throughout the year and just how that all works. Yeah. So um, it's sort of a long process. It's just the NCAA will keep track of everyone's mile time or whatever event you're running throughout the whole year. And then you, you, you know that by the end of the uh, whatever, the first week of March or whenever they lock in their declaration, it's right after everyone's championship events, um, they take top 16 people in each group. So you kind of have to like know what time it would make it. So my coach, obviously like he knows what time year after year just about makes it. So he knew 437, 438 was typically the cutoff where if you would be able to get into the meet or not. So that was the goal we had all season to run that time and hopefully just it would make it. So we went down to um, North Carolina and ran on that track there. And that's where I got the 437 time. And that was my best time the whole season. So by the end of, or beginning of March, actually, um, I was 22nd in the nation, but the way it works is that multiple um, people qualify in multiple events, especially the top runners and at the national meet because they, they want to focus on one event. They don't want to stretch themselves too thin. So they'll end up dropping out of, Uh, maybe the mile to run the half mile or something like that so we were trying to figure out like who was going to drop out and like who was going to make it who was going to stay in and we looked up like all the predictions and all the crazy runner websites to see and most of them had me getting in as the very last one but some of them didn't so we just crossed our fingers for and hoped for the best and it ended up uh, working out that I got the 16 seed so congrats I mean that's amazing Thank you. <laughs> is there any sort of like selection? Sh- I don't really know a lot about running, obviously. Yeah. I'm a basketball person, but is there mm-hmm. like a, how do you find out you're the 16th seed? Is there like a. It's just on some kind of like website that they do the declarations on, but I knew my coach told, it was the, I forget what day it was. It was just a Wednesday on, in the first week of March or something. And okay. we knew that they were just coming out at five o'clock on this website. And I guess like the top, the coach has to, say if your athlete's gonna like stay in this one and then if the athlete's gonna like or if they're gonna drop out and go for another event so then like at five o'clock when they're released you have to go through and count and see if they have like a little i forget the letters but one of the letters means like like there's an a they like accepted it or if there's some other letter it means they like dropped out so you have to go and count and make sure that you're (laughs) 16 so my coach at five o'clock on that day had like gone and counted and then texted me immediately it's like we're 16 we're good (laughs) I want to take a, 
take a step back for a second. When you started running, how did you get into the mile and distance running and as opposed to sprinting? How does that all work when you start out, when you start? Um, so I started in high school actually running as a way to stay in shape for soccer. I was a soccer player and, um, I basically spring track came along at my freshman year of high school and I was like, okay, like I want to stay in shape. And it was, you do ability testing the first day. So they make you do all the events essentially. So you run like a half mile or you throw something for the throwers. Like, obviously like I didn't do that. I dropped the thing on my foot. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So they just see what you're best at. You'll practice like hurdles, which again, like the hurdles were as tall as me. So like I, that wasn't working out. So it kind of was just like, distance was the best thing for me and my time in the whatever ability testing was good enough that my coach put me in that in high school so it kind of um or and sorry but basically for um the distance events the way it works is that there's three main distance events in high school you'll either run the half mile the mile or the two mile and because I wasn't like a cross-country runner I just came from soccer he put me in the mile because that was like the middle one so I focused on that a lot in high school and then that just kind of carried over obviously to like collegiate running I mean that they recruited me off my mile time basically but so yeah that's how I got to focus on it <laughs> is that the event that you feel like you specialize in the one mile run yeah, I think so. Um, I've actually come to really like cross country, which um, in cross country, we run a 5k, which is like three miles about. So it's a lot longer. But the mile has just always like, I don't know, just from high school, it's always had a special place in my heart. It's like, that was my favorite race in high school. That was the race where I qualified and everything and that I was able to get to Columbia. So actually at the beginning of the season, Coach Ireland like called me and was like, so like, what are we going to do? Are we going to try the mile? Are we going to move up to like a longer event now that I had like a bigger base from running cross country? He was like, what do you want to do? But he kind of realized that I just like loved the mile and it was just meant so much to me. So <laughs> we stuck with that. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading through all of your like honors and awards on the athletics website, um, oh which is a lot of honors and awards right at the top there. I mean, uh, cross country HEPS champion, the team championship in 2018, uh, the all Northeast, uh, you were the North, I mean, the team also won the region in 2018. Yeah. Uh, so you guys went to the NCAAs as a team, yes, right? Yeah. And, uh, First team all indoor Ivy League 2019 in the mile, Ivy League indoor HEPS champion in the one mile. I mean, obviously qualified for NCAAs. I mean, when you look back at all of these uh, accomplishments that you've had in your career, like what's one thing that kind of stands out to you? Like kind of like a best moment? Um, hmm, that's a good question. There's so many. Uh, that would have been really good. I think um, individually, I think for me, the last year, I won um, the mile indoors at HEPS and that was kind of really special to me because again, it was the mile and it was just this race that, I mean, I basically two years ago, I hadn't even qualified for like the finals. Like there was no way, my times were nowhere near that. And then by my junior year, I had just made so much progress that I was able to um, win was just crazy to me that like I was this girl from like this little tiny town in Spotswood and I won the Ivy League championship like it was mind-blowing to me because I was like what the heck like I I I'm a soccer player like I how am I like how is this happening so that was a really special moment for me individually and then I think as a team it would definitely be sorry this is kind of like two moments of squeezing in no, but you're allowed you're allowed two moments 
but um, it was definitely winning our team winning hefts uh, this year in the in the fall for cross country because I, that it was our third time in a row winning, which was really cool. So we had a lot of pressure on us. We were trying to make sure we could uphold the legacy, but it was really cool. It was at, it was at Van Cortland, so it was kind of like our home like turf almost, and all like there were so many just fans there and so many of my friends there, and it just felt really cool to do that at a place that like was kind of like home to me and to do it with my teammates who I've spent now four years with like it just that meant so much to me so I think those two definitely stand out in my mind where is your favorite place to run it could be track or cross country hmm um I don't I we run in a central park like every day and I honestly just really like it because it's so busy and there's so many things going on like I never get bored running there like here at home I get pretty bored running through the same four streets that we have <laughs> in my town like it's pretty boring trying to do 10 miles in my two mile town and I just run laps <laughs> so doing that every day gets boring but I never get bored in Central Park it's just always so busy and especially in the summertime it's really nice so yeah I love running there <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I'm nowhere near your class, but in my 5k runs, I run through three different towns because my town's yeah. small too. So exactly. <laughs> I'm yeah. crossing town lines every like mile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll plug um, Mike a little. Mike's been putting in a lot of work in the, in the running department. I have. I have. Last, I got a little extra time now. Um, well, you start, what was it? Was it last two years ago? Two years ago. Two yeah. years ago? Yeah. He has. He has. It's impressive. Oh, Mike? Yeah. I set a PR the other day in my 5k. So Nice. Just the two yeah, iron horn. Like 24 <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, 24. That's pretty good. Yeah. There you go. Katie's not going to tell you her PR on the phone. No, no. I don't want to. <laughs> don't show like, me up. <laughs> you can Google it. <laughs> her one mile's 437. So just times that by about three and a half, and it's probably about correct. <laughs> 437. So, so have you ever run? a faster mile not like in a competition no i mean yeah, like that was it like yeah no i get definitely get into like race mode and down at that track when it happened there was like a lot of like fans there and it was, it was crazy like the atmosphere so like that definitely helped and got me like excited to run it but now nah, i have never done it just like on the street one day <laughs> it's like here we go yeah, <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> it's interesting to me how you got into it. And I'm sure you're not the only one uh, who's obviously like played a different sport, tried to stay in shape using track, and then all of a sudden fell in love with track and yeah. running. Yeah, um, it happens a lot, actually. <laughs> did you did you play did you continue to play soccer all through high school? Yeah, so that was actually my coach was so mad because I ended up doing so well in track. He would always be like, "Come run cross country, like we need you." But I, I did love soccer, and I was like, "No, like I'm just gonna stay with soccer." So, and my high school coach, uh, track coach, and my high school soccer coach were always getting into arguments, and they'd be like, "Oh." <laughs> And then my, my high school track coach would be like, make sure she doesn't get injured. We need her for the winter. Like, this is crazy. Like, don't let her get hurt. But so then I obviously never even pictured myself as a cross country runner coming into college. But then, I mean, the team has such a great atmosphere and I just was able to like build my mileage and Ireland helped. He always told me, he was like, you'll be a cross country runner. Just you see. And I was like, no, like, I don't think I could do that. No, like freshman year, but by my junior year, I was doing it. So it was great. It worked out. So <laughs> did you get any soccer play on the recruiting uh, trail when you were in high school or was it all just cross country track? No, it was all just track. Honestly, I never even thought about doing a sport in college, but I like, that was never even the, in the plans. Even it was just, all of a sudden my like track times were good enough that they were sending me letters and I was like oh my gosh like I can 
go to like I could actually do this in college like I didn't think that would be possible so that's kind of just how it happens <laughs> what is the cross-country like running setup in Central Park how do they tell you where to um, go how does that work it's kind of I guess the team is just kind of made our own routes over the okay. years so like when you get there as a freshman like the seniors just know like there's an eight mile loop if you go this way or if you go this way it's like a six mile loop and there's um I don't know if you know but there's like a bridal loop right around like the little reservoir lake mm-hmm. and that's where we'll do like our tempo workouts on like Tuesdays and stuff so we, we're in there just so much that like you just end up like seeing the whole park and just knowing all the different turns which way to go so <laughs> Is there a workout that you guys do that you just hate? Because <laughs> running is like a workout and I hate it as a whole, but I was wondering <laughs> if you guys as runners have any sort of workout that is not your favorite. Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, I I definitely don't like the long tempos. Like, so that loop, we ended up doing, we do have to do three loops of the bridle, which is like about... I don't know, too far, like a six mile like tempo. Okay. And that got really tiring. But to do that every single Tuesday, I just would dread it. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. It's like, it's, it's, that's a long, the longer stuff still is not my favorite. I much prefer the like short, like interval style, like workouts. So that's why you <laughs> like the mile. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why. <laughs> How have you been staying in touch with your friends and your teammates since all this has gone down and you've obviously, you know, all right. Well, you're in, so you're still going through class now, right? As a yeah. senior. Yeah. So maybe, maybe talk to us about uh, the adjustment to cl- online classes now and then how you've been staying in touch with all of your friends and your teammates. Yeah. The online classes have been uh, interesting. That's for sure. Um, they're not too bad. It's just kind of weird that I'm doing classes like in my bedroom now. Like it's just weird to me and it's just, it's kind of hard to be like motivated and be like, Oh, I really want to st- like study for the Like, I just don't feel like I have to do it cause I'm home, you know? So that's, it's been okay. But, um, as far as like staying in touch, we've all been like, FaceTiming and I don't know just talking to each other texting all the time and we're trying to organize I know the other uh girl captains and I are trying to organize a big zoom for the whole team to get in so (laughs) hopefully we can do that soon we're setting it up for this Friday but yeah just texting and calling and just trying to talk as much we can and even um there's some like running like websites that like all of us just like post our runs on so we kind of even see like who's running what and how the run went and that kind of thing too so it's kind of cool. <laughs> we like to uh, ask all the seniors that we have on. Well, we will anyway. You're the first one that we've had, I guess. <laughs> but um, I always like to find out, uh, since you're a senior and, you know, and you're graduating in May, like what your plan is after graduation. I guess talk about what your major is at Columbia and then yeah. what your plan is after graduation. So the plans are kind of shifting now. Um, my, I'm my major, I'm a behavioral neuroscience, which I really love. It's so much fun. Um, I was planning before this to hopefully get like a research assistant job. I worked at um, Rutgers, which is the college in New Jersey, um, the, the past summer. And I was looking hopefully to work there again or just work for a little bit and then eventually go back to graduate school. But now that I have this eligibility uh, for my spring season, because we're not running spring, obviously, I put my name in the transfer portal just to like see and a couple coaches have contacted me. So I think I'm going to try to do a fifth year next year. And hopefully um, I've talked to Coach Ireland a lot about it because I mean, obviously I can't run for Columbia, but um, he um, basically 
just wants he said like hey like you could get like go back to nationals in the spring like get your finishing like season like so you have a like good note to end on and you had to go to graduate school anyway like get a master's like do that and you can still run for a year and I was like yeah and I talked to my parents a lot about it and they fully support that so I think that's going to be the plan for now I don't know where yet I'm still talking to a lot of different coaches but hopefully that'll work out and I can hopefully end my running career on a little better note (laughs) yeah for sure. Well, we really hope that works out for you. Thank you. And uh, congratulations on everything. I'm sorry that your Columbia career came to an end the way it did. <laughs> um, but I know Columbia's really enjoyed having you over the last four years, and you've done a lot for the cross-country track and field program and the athletic department as a whole. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I like we all the seniors and I were talking, and we always said, like, I know we feel like super unlucky right now, but we really have been really lucky just being here and being at this school and getting these opportunities. And we wouldn't change that just to get those three months back. Like, I mean, obviously that'd be great, but we are very like grateful for what we have and grateful we got to run for this school. So yeah. All right. Well, Katie, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Wish you the best of luck and uh, yeah. tell all your friends and family to listen to the podcast. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Katie. All right. Thank you. All right. See Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Once again, that was Katie Wasserman from Cross Country and Track and Field. We'll be right back with Albert Guo from Men's Swimming and Diving. Stick around. Make a brilliant move to Vanderwater, luxury condominium residences in Morningside Heists. Discover an elevated approach to city living, a modern homage to old world elegance, breathtaking views of the Hudson River, Columbia University, and Riverside Church. Visit thevandawater.com today for more information. That's T-H-E-V-A-N-D-E-W-A-T-E-R.com. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, part two of this week's podcast. We just talked with Katie Wasserman from the track and field team, had a very interesting conversation. And we're now looking forward to our second conversation of the podcast with Albert Guo from the men's swimming and diving team. Albert, thanks for joining us all the way out there from California. How's everything? It's great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just kind of want to first let you kind of introduce yourself. How's everything, how's everything going out in California with all this change? Um, basically when I first got back from school, I didn't expect everything to be closed because, um, Columbia had just announced that their NCAA competitors would not be going to their winter championships. So it was kind of a shock. And then I asked my coach back home if everything was still open. She said the pools are still open, the fields are still open, we can still train. So I rushed back home to hopefully train for the summer. Um, But unfortunately, by the time I got back, everything was closed again. So I'm just stuck at home. I'm going to read off some of your accolades here that I've got listed in front of me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, You were the Ivy League champion this year in the 50 free, in the 100 free, in the 200 medley relay, the 400 medley relay, First team all Ivy League, and as you said, you qualified for the NCAA championships. The, so, did you have to choose? Because we just we just talked with Katie, and mm-hmm. she was saying how in track and field, if you qualify in multiple events as an individual, that you kind of choose which one you want to compete in. So, is that the yeah. one that you chose that you wanted? Is it work the same way in swimming? Um, so, I qualified for the fifty, but I'm allowed to swim 
three total events. So I qualified in the 50 and then I chose to swim in the 100 freestyle and then in the 100 butterfly. Oh, so you were, you were lined up to race in all three of those at the NCAAs? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. And then, so I know you talked about it a little bit. You said you, you had flown back out to California already. Mm. And yeah. then you found out that the uh, NCAA championships year, this, the winter championships had been canceled. Uh, so for you, I mean, can you kind of walk us through, I know you talked about it a little bit, but can you just like mm. walk us through the emotions of finding that out? Yeah, um, actually, I was still at school when I found out. So I was, I was taking one of my midterms online in the library. Um, and by the time I finished, um, I just got a flood of phone calls and a flood of text messages from my teammates. Um, and I read one from my associate head coach and he goes, um, like, are you mentally prepared for the championships to be canceled? And so at that point, I was like, what do you mean? Like, uh, I thought we were still competing. I thought I was still allowed to train. I thought everything was still open. And then like two minutes later, I get a call from my head coach and he says, you know, uh, unfortunately, we just heard that the NCAA announced that all winter championships are canceled. Um, like, I know that you were really excited to compete for this. And I know you weren't like probably weren't prepared for it to be canceled. Um, and so at first it was kind of a shock, but then I, I mean, I know it's the best decision for everyone um, in the long in the long run. And so at the end, I felt like it wasn't that big of a deal because I mean, I'm still a junior. I still have another year. I still have another shot. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like heart wrenching for me. Um, I was, I was happy that they made the decision. Um, so I decided to fly home like two days after because that's when the school announced that um, everything was starting to close, that people had to start heading home and stuff like that. Um, and so that's when I packed up and then I got home. And then when I got home is when we heard that everything was closed, like at school and here at home. What's been the biggest difference so far at home with everything being closed? Like if you were home right now, say on spring break, like what would you normally be doing at home? That you yeah, can't do? Um, <laughs> I'd definitely be training. Um, so we have an Olympic sized pool, um, not far from where our house is. So I usually train doubles every day over spring break, over winter break. Um, so the biggest difference is just not having uh, water access. Um, otherwise um, there's still, land exercises that I'm doing, uh, free weight exercises that I'm doing, um, that I'm still able to do. It's just, um, the water time is the biggest difference. Was it difficult for you to get back to California with everything kind of shutting down? Talk about, you know, getting from New York back to California. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. So, um, the day after NCAAs was canceled, the school emailed and said, if everyone can move out, move out immediately. Um, and they gave us like two two days or something uh, warning um, so I had to somehow figure out where to store everything <clears throat> um, and because I can't just drive back to California um, I had to figure out maybe friends that could help me store some belongings um, where I would like I mean how I was gonna uh, fly back because tickets were expensive everyone was trying to get out of the city or back home or stuff like that um, and it was kind of a nightmare for 48 hours, but uh, my parents managed to help me find tickets um, for uh, the last day that we were allowed to move out. 
Um, and then I just like whatever I didn't need, I just either gave to my friends or I threw out and then I just brought home um, anything that was valuable to me. Can you talk about the, ex- so you flew home obviously out to California. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you talk about, I know I've talked to some people, uh, Meg, you know, Eric, he, who was with the women's basketball team all year, he yeah. lives out in California and I spoke to him about uh, having to fly back out there and he even wrote this whole like article that was published in some like local San Francisco paper about his whole journey flying back out to California and like (laughs) all the emotions behind it because uh, he said it was just so eerie and interesting. Like the whole experience of like going through the airport, being on the plane, uh, everybody like, because this is still in the early stages of everything, right? everybody being so cautious. Yeah. So how is it for you, like that whole ride, like getting to the airport, the, the plane ride and landing? So the, the first time when I was trying to call for a taxi, um, I mean, the person driving the taxi was wearing a mask. Uh, he didn't offer to help me with my bags. And they usually like are really welcoming to, to help you with everything. So I was like, okay, this is like interesting. And then by the time I got to the airport, it was, it's, it sort of struck me that, okay, wow, this is, this is something really serious. Um, everyone was wearing masks. I didn't have a mask at that time, unfortunately. So I just, you know, I just like sat there and I was like, okay, okay. Like, let me just sit on this flight six hours home. And then I'm just going to make sure I clean everything when I get home. I'm going to be careful, stay away from everyone that's uh, either coughing or sneezing a lot and just try to be as safe as I can on the way home. I want to talk about your athletic successes a little bit that we touched on before I mentioned, you know, all the Ivy league championships that you won this year. I mean, what changed for you this year, uh, becoming a junior, you know, was it the training that you did over the summer? Was it the two years of experience as a freshman and a sophomore having competed at the Ivy league championships before? Like what kind of got you to that point this year where you won so many Ivy league championships? Yeah. The biggest difference, well, sophomore year, it felt like I finally figured out how to really, um, take ownership of what I was doing in and out of the pool. So sophomore year, my performance was um, not as sharp as I had wanted it to be. Um, I had finaled in all the events that I uh, had swammed, but I didn't really, um, I, I let the nerves get the better of me. So this year, uh, the biggest difference I think was figuring out how to manage my emotions, manage my nerves, Um, and then like micromanage everything else outside of the pool. Um, I worked with Kate Miller and Dr. Walker from Success uh, and Wellbeing um, in Dodge um, almost like once a week, every week. Um, That was probably the biggest asset that I had, being able to talk to someone both on the sports performance aspect and just on the daily life aspect, managing how um, to react to certain situations and how to develop my myself um, in certain situations that I felt like sophomore year I had lacked performance in and um, definitely by the time IVs came by I had like a different sense of confidence in myself it wasn't the confidence that I could win but the confidence that I could perform um, the way I had trained all throughout the year um, and especially throughout the summer because the summer um, I had trained pretty pretty hard uh, for most of the summer because we had summer nationals at Stanford, California. 
um, which is right by where I live. Um, I trained with my club coach back home and it was really, we were developing technical skills. Uh, whereas sort of throughout the school year, I was developing mental skills and being able to uh, understand why I was getting nervous for a race rather than just trying to like um, downplay <laughs> like why everyone was getting nervous. Um, and then by the time IVs came by, it just felt like sort of a smooth sailing at that point. Um, I didn't really feel like, I mean, I felt the type of nerves that everyone else feels. So I was, I, I knew that um, I had, um, I was valuing the championships as much as everyone else was. And at that point, I was just, I just like let everything loose and let everything go. And I just competed and it was, it was a blast. What were some things this year that you learned uh, to settle your nerves? Cause obviously nerves are a good and bad thing, but mm -hmm. what were some things that they helped you develop? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Dr. Walker and I worked specifically on performance nerves. So um, there, there's sort of, I guess, two types of nerves that I'm feeling uh, when I race. So there's performance nerves and just like anxiety of like the social yeah. situations around me. Um, Dr. Walker and I worked on uh, being able to be confident that um, because you're feeling nervous, it's because you value the competition around you. So um, we just sort of outlined different situations that I would be in. Like maybe if I, if I dove in behind um, someone and I was, and I had to catch up what I would do, how I'd re react um, and other situations where maybe if I was ahead by a lot and I saw something, someone catching up, how I would react that way. Um, and just being able to practice those situations in practice um, and outside of practice actually uh, helped a lot. And then um, Kate Miller and I worked on just managing nerves for like different social situations. So say I, was, I wasn't racing and I was sitting behind the blocks uh, waiting for the race to start, <clears throat> those nerves would be like, maybe I saw someone else doing a different type of warm up that I haven't seen before and being feeling like I was maybe lacking preparation for that how I would manage those nerves and then also how I would manage like daily nerves. Um, if I was nervous to have to take a midterm before um, the, the competition, which I ended up having to do, um, having to turn in problem sets and homeworks and being nervous about whether I can manage my time at the competition and do homework at the same time. Um, so it was just being able to prepare these different tools for my tool belt. And then once I, was at the competition, I just, I just, I mean, I practiced it so many times, I was just able to let it go. Was it, was it you that kind of wanted to reach out to Dr. Walker and Kate, or was it your coaches that kind of directed you? How did you wind up there after your first, it was, did you go after your freshman year or in between sophomore and junior year? Yeah, uh, my freshman year, I worked with Dr. Walker a couple times, um, just working on sports performance and adjusting to uh, college competition um, so that that was my own doing and then uh, sophomore year um, uh, my coach Jim Bolster um, decided that we wanted to have some group meetings uh, with Dr. Walker um, so those felt like they were helpful enough that I didn't need to meet with him individually and then Kate Miller um, I, I worked with somewhat sophomore year and then junior year I just felt like 
at the beginning of junior year. It was um, pretty hectic. Um, I tore my labrum in my hip completely. I had all these doctor's appointments everywhere and I was just sort of falling. It felt like I was falling apart. So um, I decided to reach out to Kate uh, on my own and then it helped a lot. So what was it to come back from, from that injury? When did that injury occur for you again? Um, it was right. It was like a week before the season started. Um, one of our captains decided that for off season training, we would run uh, down the Hudson like all the way to the south end or something. And so we just kept running and running. And then on the way back, um, I was going up a hill and I don't know how I tore it, but it just tore and it felt like it was oh, this geez. worst pain ever in my hip. Um, so then I went to see uh, um, Dan uh, from the training room. Um, at that point, we weren't really sure what had happened. So I was... I sort of just hoped it was something that was going to blow by uh, within a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And then we found out, we went to go see um, Dr. Desai. We got some x-rays and some CT scans and everything, some MRIs and found out that it was um, completely torn off. And so I had to decide at that point if I was going to take a red shirt year or if I was going to somehow train through or if I was going to get surgery right away. Um, so I decided to wait it out. Dan and I were doing recovery exercises for like two or three weeks. Um, we waited another two or three weeks. Season was already going. I wasn't really training full time. I had to sort of balance going downtown to see doctors and um, doing rehab every day um, alongside uh, seeing if I could swim during practice. So it ended up being like one or two months of just not knowing really what was happening. And then after that, once season really started rolling and we had dual meets every weekend, I had to figure out, um, like, I mean, at that point I had decided that I was going to somehow figure out how to swim through the year. Um, I wasn't going to redshirt and I was going to see if I was going to get surgery or not. Um, but then we found out that if I got surgery, it would be uh, three weeks on crutches and then six months of no swimming. So I decided that that probably would be the best decision for after college or maybe during um, the off season somehow. Um, so I decided to just do rehab every day, twice a day, um, somehow figure out how to practice alongside doing rehab. And then it was sort of a slow recovery process in the first semester. And then second semester came by and I started to feel better um, with all the rehab. And I didn't feel like I needed to take a break at that point. And so I just let the ball roll and I just figured out how to manage the pain and just train through it. How good did it feel to like have it pay off for you with all the success that you had this year? It was, it was definitely really satisfying. Um, it was sort of going into the competition. I was talking to one of my teammates about um, how it started flaring up again and he had um, labrum issues in his shoulder uh, growing up as a kid so it was like he sort of gave me his expertise on how some of these injuries start flaring up um, before competitions when you're tapering which is what we do which is what swimmers do uh, before we race um, so at that point I was kind of scared um, that it was going to bother me but then at the meet um, after the first relay when it just I just like completely forgot about the pain um, and it just sort of, it felt 
at first it felt pretty relieving and then it felt satisfying. And then I was really happy um, that I had stuck through with the year. Uh, before we let you go here, I got to ask you a couple questions because Jim Bolster is one of the legendary figures in the <laughs> athletics department. So what uh, fun stories can you share about him and what's he Oh, been, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I feel like good ones. But yeah, talk about him and what, what he's kind of meant to you and uh, what you've learned from him these last three years. Um, so first off, I think he his experience and his um, tenure at Columbia really pays off for the swimmers, just knowing that you have a coach that has like 36, like more years under his belt than you've been alive um, is really, really comforting. And then... He just has been in so many different situations that you couldn't even imagine. And so his experience with athletes that have dealt with injuries, that athletes that have dealt with different kind of situations before um, really helped you feel like you were in the best hands possible. Um, and then so that confidence sort of um, sort of lets you feel the same confidence that he has in you. And then um, it just like, it feels like at the point where you're competing, you're not really competing for him anymore. You're able to compete for yourself, um, which is the best thing that can happen uh, in swimming. And uh, I think the, um, the story, I think one of the funnier stories is um, on when we're on our first travel meet bus. Um, this is probably like the only appropriate story I can tell. Um, we're on the first travel meet bus and he has, uh, he always brings like, like 12 bananas for travel meets for some reason. He just really likes bananas. And he had, he had, he always brings this banana and the freshmen haven't seen it, but all the upperclassmen have seen the story. And so he talks about how at the zoo um, where he went, um, he he sees this this male gorilla um, go up to a female gorilla with a banana, and then he pulls out a banana, and then he says, "So the male the male gorilla goes up to the female gorilla, and he pulls out a banana, and this is how he eats it, and then he tears it apart, and then he squeezes the banana from the bottom, and the banana pops out, and he somehow catches it and eats it with his mouth." And then all the freshmen crack up and it's our favorite story. And he just, he just loves telling that story every travel meet. I'm sure he's going to be thrilled that the story was shared on this podcast <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Albert. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and sharing uh, your stories with us. I think that was uh, oh, really Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Whoa. I whoa. just thought of something. I just I have two things. One, you could probably answer very quickly. Does Jim use the same drawstring backpack or does he like rotate that in and out? <laughs> he used the same drawstring backpack. <laughs> this is forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Probably like 40 years now. <laughs> and there's only Might one string that works left. <laughs> yeah, he does like the whole shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to ask him that because I've seen him walk in and out of Dodge a couple times. Um, and then second thing is, I have heard that you're kind of good at photography. 
Yeah, uh, I, I do photography on the on the on low. Yeah. <laughs> Not on How low did you get into that? Yeah, now um, we're outing you for your photography skills. Oh, sweet. Um, it was my gap year after I left Cal. Um, so in 2016, I actually went to Cal Berkeley uh, to swim there, but I didn't like it, so I left. Um, I decided I needed to figure out if I wanted to do college or if I wanted to somehow figure out a profession. So I decided to do a little bit of photography. During my gap year, I traveled to New Zealand, which was the coolest place I could ever have gone. Um, and then I sort of just had friends around the Bay that were really into it. I got into it um, at Columbia. There's a pretty good photography society. So I shoot with some of my friends and I get to hang out with cool people downtown doing cool things. So it's really, it's really a blast. What kind of photography do you shoot? Um, we do landscape portraits um sometimes we get to do like fine art photography or cityscapes it's pretty professional i love that <laughs> well albert you know i don't know if you know this but the communications office sometimes likes to use <laughs> photographers to shoot events if you ever want to shoot some sports photography i think we have some openings for some games next year so Sweet. we might we might now be reaching out to you <laughs> all right sounds good all right albert uh thanks again for taking some time today uh Best of luck to you the rest of the semester and uh, stay safe out in California and uh, we'll, we'll try to catch up with you soon. Sweet. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks again, Albert. All right. Bye-bye. Once again, that was Albert Guo from the men's swimming and diving team. And we also had Katie Wasserman on. We want to thank Katie from the women's cross country and track and field teams. Uh, that was episode three of the the Roarcast, uh, our new spring sports podcast featuring our spring sport and winter sport athletes who didn't get to compete uh, in those that qualified for postseason. So we really enjoy spotlighting those athletes and giving them a chance to share their stories with us and check in on them and see how they're doing. Thanks again for listening. Reminder, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. There's also a landing page on GoColumbiaLions.com. If you hit GoColumbiaLions.com slash podcast, you can catch up on all the previous episodes of the Roarcast. Captain's Corner with the football captains from the past two years and two seasons of Inside Columbia Basketball. So uh, glad you could join us today, and we'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.